Good, good morning, good morning. How are we doing? A fine morning it is, this beautiful Thursday morning. I am Ellie Shapiro, your host of The Morning Blend. We're still undecided. Still undecided. Anyone with uh, a name will is always welcome. So, as this is the first morning that we are broadcasting with a new administration, I am going to <clears throat> I'm going to I'm going to discuss one cabinet minister. Come, secretary. We'll see. Maybe we'll get to some others, but this one for sure. I I just couldn't push push it off any longer. I wasn't going to uh, discuss any of them until until uh, the administration had been sworn in. Doctor Rachel Levine, Doctor Rachel Levine, has been tapped for assistant HHS HHS secretary. Health and Human Services. Who is Dr. Rachel Levine? Well, Dr. Rachel Levine was born Richard. Had a bar mitzvah. Had a wife, kids. Until about uh, 10 years ago or so and he divorced his wife and he decided that he was going to become Rachel. He was the health secretary in Pennsylvania. If you think that the only thing that Pennsylvania messed up were the elections, Pennsylvania also had one of the highest levels of um, nursing home deaths in the country in the first months. Now, there are those who think those are unavoidable, obviously, but in fact, they're not. In May, Richard Levine removed his mother from his nursing home, from her nursing home, excuse me, his mother's nursing home, while sentencing all nursing home patients to their inevitable deaths. Estimates of nursing home deaths were as high as 70%. You think that's his only scandal? In August, legal documents were uncovered proving Levine had come to a confidential settlement agreement with a car show that allowed them to skirt the lockdown. This even outraged many Democrat state lawmakers as indoor events were limited to 250 people, but somehow this four-day event was legal. So this is the person, and of course masks are going to be worn until the end of 2021. Also the things that this person, this person shouldn't have, especially should, I mean, he should be in an insane asylum, honestly. But the fact that not only is is he now the assistant HHS secretary, but that the administration is being is being uh, applauded for their transgendered choice. It's disturbing, quite disturbing. And that is just one member of the cabinet. I'm not going to do any more today. But you can be certain that there are many, many examples of that type of, of that type of, uh, character. And what does that say? What does that say about the, about the people who've, who've chosen them? What does that say about the, the people who are there, who they're going to be presiding over? They're going to be governing. It's appalling. Absolutely appalling. We are going to, you know, we are going to um, mention a couple things from the inauguration, the sham, the sham inauguration yesterday. It was, uh, it was. Um, well, I didn't watch it. There's no reason to watch it, but I did get to hear certain clips. So we're going to play this first clip. Come from CNN, 
And the point of this clip is just to show what kind of of journalism exists over at the mainstream media, just in case we'd forgotten, just in case we're not clued in. This is uh, their their analyst, Chalian. He says that he says he says the sidelights on the National Mall. He's referring to the sidelights on the National Mall. Let's listen here. Sidelights on the National Mall. They're so beautiful. And whether or not that means actually stating President Trump's name or just uh, the broader uh, time that, that the country finds itself in as Joe Biden is taking the oath of office remains to be seen. As you heard Jeff Zeleny reporting, uh, there's still some uh, tinkering going on with the inaugural address. But his aides are, are, have made really clear it's not like he's trying to ignore or paper over uh, either what happened at the Capitol two weeks ago or what we've been through uh, throughout four years of the Trump presidency. And the contrast on display tonight was so stark. I mean, those lights that are that are just shooting out from the Lincoln Memorial uh, along the reflecting pool, it, I look, it's like almost extensions of Joe Biden's arms embracing America. It was a moment where the new president came to town and sort of convened the country in this moment of remembrance, uh, outstretching his arms. And contrast that with that video you just saw of a disgraced president on his way out at his lowest point uh, in his presidency at the very end here uh, by himself uh, fighting for uh, his political movement to live on and not even necessarily promising uh, that he's going to be leading that movement, uh, you noted in, in his remarks tonight. I, I just think that sort of isolated um, moment of Donald. That's enough. Could you imagine? Could you imagine that? Oh, the, the, the National Mall's reflecting pool are like extensions of Joe Biden's arms embracing America. The president, in his final remarks, he had two different speeches. He had the speech that he gave the night before, and then he had the speech that he gave um, the following the following morning as he was departing from the White House for the last time of this term. And the um, in, in we're going to play a couple clips. We're going to play a couple clips of the first speech of, of the first speech the night before. You know, we, we said that Nolte in his in his article yesterday describing uh, discussing the Trump's approval rating, where it's over fifty, it's fifty one percent, which is not, uh, you know, which is which is which, which is outstanding considering the attack that the president has has seen. So it's not as though you know. So we have to remember that when 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 this when CNN says his lowest point in in his presidency, it's it's simply it's simply not true. It's simply not true. But nonetheless, the president in his, in his farewell, in his, in his, in his, uh, farewell address the night before the, uh, inauguration. So he, he mentions, he mentions, uh, the character of the nation, the, co- the country, who the country is. He mentions, you know, the accomplishments. It was, uh, it's like, it's a, it's a, it was a 20 minute, 20 minute uh, speech. But it was uh, inspiring, very inspiring. So we're gonna, we're gonna let's see. We'll play this first one here. My fellow Americans, four years ago we launched a great national effort mm. to rebuild our country, to renew its spirit, and to restore the allegiance. We're gonna wait for that, I guess. Sorry. Okay. We're gonna wait for that. In the meantime, while that's loading, I guess it's taking a while. Um, you know, the president pardoned 150 people almost yesterday, and there's a lot of criticism. It's a lot of criticism for the president's, uh, choice of people to pardon. A lot of criticism. I want to read to you an article, it's not that, from, from the Federalist about somebody who Bill Clinton had released. 
On his final day in office, January 20th, 2001, President Bill Clinton commuted the sentences of a pair of radical leftists serving time for bombing the U.S. Capitol building where a 1983 blast shattered the second floor of the Senate wing. Linda Evans and Susan Rosenberg each served 16 years of lengthy sentences, with Rosenberg escaping 42 years of a 58-year sentence and Evans cutting short a 40-year sentence by 24 years. The FBI landed formal indictments on Evans and Rosenberg in the 1988 resistance conspiracy case for their involvement in the bombing of the Capitol, along with five others. Evans and Rosenberg had already been in police custody for other crimes of the radical left-wing terror group, May 19th Communist Organization, M19, named for the birthdays of Malcolm X and Vietnamese leader Ho Chi Minh. According to a historical chronology of the left-wing group by the Smithsonian Magazine, M19 also carried out successful bombings of an FBI office, the Israel Aircraft Industries Building, the South African Consulate in New York, and D.C.'s Fort McNair and Navy Yard. The attacks tended to follow a similar pattern, the magazine reported. A warning to call, a warning call to clear the area, an explosion, a pre-recorded message to media railing against U.S. imperialism in the war, or the war machine under various organizational allies. Never using the name M19. Rosenberg is now a prominent left-wing activist who, early last summer, sat on the board of Thousand Currents, which poured $10 million into causes for social justice, including Black Lives Matter, according to Fox News. A historian interviewed by the Smithsonian described the group as an offshoot of Weather Underground, the domestic terror group led by Bill Ayers, who bombed the Pentagon and the Capitol in the 1970s and now lives as a prominent academic. That's right. Anyone who's not familiar with that terrorist group. They killed people, if I'm not mistaken. number of people. M-19's acts of radical left-wing terror appeared to catch a sympathetic eye in Washington that would relieve its members of their time in prison. According to the New York Post in 2001, New York Democratic Rep. Jerry Nadler, who today serves as the House Judiciary Committee Chairman, good old Gerald, played a crucial role in Clinton's decision to commute Rosenberg's sentence. Nadler's rabbi, a Nadler spokesman at the time told the Post gave compelling information from Rosenberg's parole hearing to the Manhattan congressman, who in turn passed on the material to the White House Counsel Office. White House Counsel's Office. That transfer, the Post reported, played a key role in the president's decision to include Rosenberg on his list of 140 last-minute pardons just before, just moments before George Bush, George W. took the White House. Rosenberg's case is a reminder of the long growing list of left-wing acts of terrorism either excused or endorsed by Democrats and their allies in corporate media who now condemn the violent attacks on the U.S. Capitol that came from right-wing extremists last week. Nadler, in his role as judiciary House Judiciary Chair, has been among the most vocal in Congress, outraged at the Capitol chaos that ensued, and demanding that the president be impeached after failing to successfully remove Trump last year. As he said, I am once again urging that President Trump be impeached and removed from office. We have a limited period of time in which to act. The nation cannot afford a drawn-out process, and I support bringing articles of impeachment directly to the House floor. It was only several months ago, however, that Nadler dismissed violence by Antifa, the radical left-wing terror group of the 21st century, as a myth. A myth. While militant anarchists erupted a historic summer of unrest that tore apart downtown centers, city centers, can someone please explain to me? So he, this is what he wrote. This is this is this is Eric Weinstein. Can someone please explain to me how this works? We are willing to spend all credibility to defend what can be instantly invalidated. Who came up with this policy? Who does it exist? Who? Why does it exist? And how is anyone able to maintain it without deviating from the script? <laughs> Eric Weinstein, who sometimes says the truth. Do you disavow the violence from Antifa? That's a myth. That's been spread only in Washington, D.C., said Nadler. About Antifa in Poland, Fletcher clarified as his Portland militants held, held city under siege. Yes, it's a myth. Okay, so, so let's not be outraged over the fact that the president pardoned Steve Bannon. Steve Bannon. Why was Steve Bannon under investigation? So those who don't like Steve Bannon will tell you, well, he took money from, from, uh, the, the fund that he was raising 
in order to build the wall. Which, for all those who don't know, there are there was a group of people who got together. There was a uh, an organization that was founded in order to build the wall from donations. Build the wall from donations. That was the idea. Build the wall from donations. Instead of relying on instead of instead of relying on um, instead of relying on the government and the budget to the 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 the, 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 the house you know passing a budget for the wall the people said well how much will it cost 25 billion okay so no problem so let's 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 raise the money now that gets into issues you know legal issues which which Steve Bannon was working to to um, circumvent but aside from those issues there was a case that was that was building against him that he was pocketing some of this money now Corruption shouldn't be a, a surprise for a bureaucrat. So let's not suggest as though that this, that, 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 you know, that, that he'd be the first bureaucrat who'd, who'd be pocketing money. But, uh, the, the investigation that I, the, 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 the reading and, and, and different things that I did, uh, did actually, did not corroborate this, uh, this allegation. It seemed as though it was just another effort from the New York district attorney at uh, the Southern District of the New York of New York to go after somebody from the Trump administration that's what it seemed like and the most the most reasonable um the most reasonable um explanation came from somebody who isn't a great fan of Steve Bannon but remember what what did the president call Steve Bannon what was his nickname sloppy steve that's right the president remember his nicknames sloppy steve so Sloppy Steve, he said, he, he said, he, he wasn't just sloppy because he, of his, his manner of dress. He was sloppy because he really didn't, uh, f- follow the, the necessary protocols of, you know, of, of, you know, to, to run an organization. And so, and so therefore monies that may have gone here may have, you know, ended up here, but it wasn't as though he was pocketing them. It was just, uh, he, he was just, he just wasn't administering the organization properly. So, so the fact that the president, the fact that the president had, um, the fact that the president had, uh, pardoned Steve Bannon, it's not, that's, that, 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 that's not anywhere near, okay? But, but that's exactly what the president lived through. The president lived through five, five years of that sort of coverage where pardoning Steve Bannon gets a, a headline. Nothing. Crickets. Crickets. What do we have this here? No. Let's see one second. There you go. Crickets. Whenever the, when, you know, no comparison to, to, to Bill Clinton pardoning a terrorist who's now sitting on boards, who's now an advocate for BLM. Sick. Absolutely sick. Um, while we're on the topic though, you know, we, we did mention yesterday that two, a number, uh, almost a dozen Jews, almost a dozen Jews got, um, pardoned, including those two Jews that many, many, many had advocated for their release. And, you know, I, I, I you know, I, th- I think that our position, my, you know, me personally, uh, if I'm going to say anything about this, if I'm going to say anything about this, I'll say something like this as follows. A lot of people, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not discussing what they did. I'm not discussing what they did or anything like that. I, I don't. I don't really know what they did. I don't. I've never heard of them. Most most people had heard of them. You know, I, I had never heard of them. I'm going to read to you though a letter from Moshe Meisels. I understand this person lives in London. Dear Mr. President, life takes us through many twists and turns, ups and downs. Had someone told me that I would be writing a letter of support on behalf of Mr. Eliyahu Weinstein, I would not imagine this possible. With that introduction, let me please introduce myself, Moshe Meisels, and tell you why I decided to write a letter of support in favor of Mr. Weinstein. I am a creditor of Mr. Weinstein, and my name is found in the restitution order. According to the restitution order, I am owed over $23 million. Although it's been a long time, I have not lost hope of one day being surprised by Mr. Weinstein with a check in that amount, and do still expect these monies to be returned to me. 
Many years have gone by and I have not forgotten about Mr. Weinstein and the money as I continue to pursue recovery of what I lost. However, recently I was contacted and asked if I would write a letter of support for Mr. Weinstein's application for clemency. I thought about it for some time and decided that it was in fact the right thing to do for several reasons. One, Mr. Weinstein's family and children are suffering needlessly and have grown up and continue to grow up without a father. As well, Mr. Weinstein's wife is an innocent victim and she deserves better. I am sure the entire family has suffered psychologically and in other ways. Perhaps by showing mercy, God will find ways to repay me. Mr. President, I have followed your administration very closely and I am keenly aware of all you have done to gift people second chances and renewed hope. You have acted where others have only spoken and for those reasons and many others, I truly admire you and your ability to do the right thing even if not always possible. Even if, even if not always popular. Respectfully submitted, Maish Moses Meisel's victim. And, um, yeah, look, uh, you know, I'd say uh, a better man than I am. I don't know if I would be in that same position. Please, God, I should, uh, I shouldn't have to make that sort of decision. But he says here that the families have suffered needlessly. Okay, you know, some would argue that uh, that's that that's part of the calculation of a person who's committing crime. I don't know. But if I'm going to say anything, I'll say as follows. That one shouldn't, we shouldn't necessarily be advocating that Jews go free. Necessarily. But we also shouldn't necessarily be advocating that Jews suffer more. Suffer greater. I know we are supposed to be a light into the nations, and 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 you know once the once the desecration of God's name has been committed, um, you know we definitely have to have to atone. But I don't I don't the the the, the issue with with Pollard and the issue with many of these and I don't, I don't know specifically Ellie Weinstein or the other one that was that was um, that was uh, I think I think I think I think that their sentences were commuted. I'm not sure if they were actually fully pardoned. I don't know, but. One of the, I don't remember what I read yesterday, but but one of the differences, one of the differences is, is, is and this was this was about Rubashkin too. It's one thing to to penalize them, yeah, and I don't believe in making them into some sort of uh, glorifying them. I, I don't think I don't think that's what we should be doing because we are supposed to be, uh, um, you know, we're not we're not supposed to be glorifying these people, and the fact that there are. You know, Minyanim and Otisville, it should, it, it should, it should disturb us. We should, we, this, these things should bother us. You know, not that we are above these, you know, the, the, not that, not, not that we don't commit crime. You know, we shouldn't, we, we, you know, we shouldn't commit crime. You know, it's, obviously, this is, this is, it's a disturbing conversation. But the idea that we should be, uh, given a, a sentence that is, that is non, um, non, non, uh, it's not. It's not sympathetic. With it's not. I'm looking for. It's not um, consistent. Not consistent with other people who've committed similar crimes. Then yes, I do believe that we have the right to advocate on their behalf. With Rubashkin, that was Shalom Mordechai Rubashkin. That was the 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 the, 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 the travesty. It wasn't that he was sentenced to jail? It was for how long and how much suffering he occurred for for a crime that was. A, it, it, he wasn't, he, it wasn't as though, from what I remember reading, I haven't refreshed it recently, but from what I remember reading, he wasn't, he didn't even, he didn't even take advantage of these people. He was taking advantage of certain tax rules and, and he was using illegal, 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 uh, workers. And then they, and then they, they, they devalued his business because he was no longer involved when, you know, when you are no longer involved in your business, you know, obviously your business takes uh, is devalued and and then based on the devaluation of his business they evaluated how much he had he had he had um appraised it for for bank loans i mean th- the amount of 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 of, of it, it wasn't it wasn't anywhere near it wasn't anywhere near what other people in similar situations were were being were being uh tried and 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 and, and sentenced for so I, I don't think we have to lobby for stricter punishments for our for our for ourselves. Now again, we have to be careful not to not to permit, not to be matter, you know, what these people are doing. But but at the same but but we don't have to we don't have to we don't have to um <clears throat> we don't have to 
demand that they sit and rot in jail if if their punish, if their sentence wasn't consistent with other people. Okay, and that's the difference. And so the president, and then, and the president, as a general theme of his pardons, that's what he looked at. He looked at re, at retribution. He looked at people. I think the other person who who who, who he did pardon the other Jew, bring his name. I don't remember his name. Uh, he had already repaid all the money that he had stolen. Okay, you didn't see. You didn't see. Um, what's his name on the? What's the name? Uh, uh, what's the name of the, uh, the Jew that uh, stole billions of dollars? Uh, why well, forget the name? You know, back in two thousand and nine, you didn't see that name on the list. Okay, it's not. It's not as though he was just. He was just uh, releasing everybody. He was looking for somebody who who had paid their time. Okay, for the crime that they'd committed, it, it was the, the, the sentence was not consistent with other people, and he knows above anybody that the justice system is corrupt. So. So unfortunately, so I, I think we have to just remember that it's not, you know, to say, oh, you know, every Jew who's in jail should be released. I, I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily think that that's the, that's the approach. And, and we also shouldn't glorify them and make them into the just because they, you know, were, were now released. We have to, we have to, we have to have some sort of standard. You have to have some sort of standard. Okay. But we, the standard also isn't, isn't, you know, that they, that they did the time, that they did the crime and now they should get, you know, with that and worse. You know, that, that has to be, it has to be, uh, it has to be, uh, consistent. Okay. I think, I think this, this recording is going to be ready now. Let's just check. Let's just check here. Okay. Very good. So we have here this first one. The president. My fellow Americans, four years ago, we launched a great national effort to rebuild our country to renew its spirit, and to restore the allegiance of this government to its citizens. In short, we embarked on a mission to make America great again for all Americans. As I conclude my term as the 45th President of the United States, I stand before you truly proud of what we have achieved together. We did what we came here to do, and so much more. This week, we inaugurate a new administration and pray for its success in keeping America safe and prosperous. We extend our best wishes, and we also want them to have luck, a very important word, yes. Now, the president said here that they came to, they accomplished their mission. I'm going to make a few different inferences from this this, this clip, short clip. First one is he refers to it as the administration. I think that's intentional. We said yesterday from Nolte his fraudulency. Okay, <clears throat> we are we haven't decided how we on this show, on this program, and are going to be referring to the administration. But you notice what the president said. He said his administration, the administration. He refers to it as administration, not the not the presidency. Now now. It is true that um, the president left a, a letter for Joe. I saw a little uh, snippet of it. It said, uh, Joe, you know I won. <laughs> no, obviously that was a joke. But um, he did leave what was called a generous letter. A generous letter. Okay? And, I'm, and, I, don't, and I believe it. I believe it. Uh, you know, beyond everything, you know, the reason why the president didn't attend the inauguration, which I firmly supported, was because he wasn't going – he represents 75 million plus people – you know, it's 75 million voters, and it's really more than that. We know that. So it's, it's you know, 120, 150 million people he represents at the at the minimum. And, uh, and, he, and he knows that they wouldn't want him to legitimize it. So it was the right thing to do, I, I believe, to not. It wasn't petty. It wasn't petty, but not attending the inauguration. <clears throat> but... Um, you know, he, they, 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 they say that he left, you know, as his, as his customer, he left a letter. So the president here says that he, that he, um, that they, they came to accomplish and, 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 and they accomplished so much more. And, you know, obviously, look, you know, you, you have to know what their goals to accomplish, you know, they, what, 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 what their intentions were, whether or not they accomplished everything. They definitely accomplished far more than what was imagined possible, especially with, under the assault that they experienced. But whether or not, whether or not even, you know, did, did they finish the wall? They didn't get to finish the wall. No, they didn't get to finish the wall, unfortunately. And now you have the new, um, person who's taken over that position. What's it, uh, which secretary is that? Um, 
I'm forgetting which 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 secretary it was, which cabinet minister it was, but they were asked yesterday uh, or two days ago at the at their at their hearings, and they wouldn't commit to not tear down the wall. Could you imagine? Could you imagine they wouldn't commit to not tear down the wall? It's unbelievable. So, but he definitely accomplished far more and many things than he than they, than they could have imagined. And if you notice, the president said that at the 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 end of his 45th term is is coming. His 45th term is coming. And it's a funny thing, if anyone remembers when Michael Jordan retired the first time from basketball, I think he retired three times altogether, I don't know, I stopped following at some point, but he retired the first time and his his number 23, his number 23 had been retired from the league. So when he came back out of retirement, he couldn't come back to 23, he had to take number 45. Ultimately, they made an exception, and he got to take back twenty three. Eventually, it took a, it took some time, but because he is his the league had retired, most most of the time the league doesn't retire. You know, you may have you may have a team that retires your jersey, but the league, I believe, the whole league retired his jersey. In any case, so he had to come back as forty five. So the president said, "My term as forty fifth president has come to an end." It means the number forty seven or whatever it is, or forty eight. We, we have to see exactly how long Biden lasts before Harris takes over. He's not. He might not even be forty seven. But regardless, that that number, that 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 obviously administration hasn't 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 uh, hasn't come to, and only number forty five. Let's go play another clip here. Free now, as I prepare to hand power over to a new administration at noon on Wednesday, I want you to know that the movement we started is only just beginning. There's never been anything like it. The belief that a nation must serve its citizens will not dwindle, but instead only grow stronger by the day. As long as the American people hold in their hearts deep and devoted love of country, then there is nothing that this nation cannot achieve. Our communities will flourish. Our people will be prosperous. Our traditions will be cherished. Our faith will be strong. And our future will be brighter than ever before. I go from this majestic place with a loyal and joyful heart, an optimistic spirit, and a supreme confidence that for our country and for our children, the best is yet to come. Thank you and farewell. God bless you. God bless the United States of America. Oh, a heavy heart there. The best is yet to come. That was always his point. He was always positive. <clears throat> always is positive. And um, the best is yet to come. So he talks about the movement, the movement, the movement, the movement. What is with the movement? What is with the movement? What is with the movement? Well, there is a race. There is a a, a vote in uh, New Hampshire for the Republican Party of New Hampshire. And this is going to be the first indication of exactly where the, the Republicans are. Exactly where the Republicans are. Um as a as a as a party are they going to are they going to nominate to the, to the speaker i think of the the, the house in or the, the head of the republican party in um in new hampshire are they going to nominate somebody who is like the mitch mcconnell cronyistic republican with no backbone or are they going to nominate somebody there are two people there and and and, and the other person is more of a trump republican Somebody who's willing to take on the fight of the culture. Somebody who's willing to understands that that free speech is under assault. We didn't play this clip yesterday because we were we're running out of time. We may have to we may, we may run out of time again today. But I want to play this clip here of the president. This is the last clip I've I've, I've prepared with the president uh, talking about free speech. Now, as I leave the White House, I have been reflecting on the dangers that threaten the priceless inheritance we all share. As the world's most powerful nation, America faces constant threats and challenges from abroad. But the greatest danger we face is a loss of confidence in ourselves, a loss of confidence in our national greatness. A nation is only as strong as its spirit. We are only as dynamic as our pride. We are only as vibrant as the faith that beats in the hearts of our people. No nation can long thrive that loses faith in its own values, history, and heroes, for these are the very sources of our unity and our vitality. What has always allowed America to prevail and triumph 
over the great challenges of the past has been an unyielding and unashamed conviction in the nobility of our country and its unique purpose in history. We must never lose this conviction. We must never forsake our belief in America. The key to national greatness lies in sustaining and instilling our shared national identity. That means focusing on what we have in common, the heritage that we all share. At the center of this heritage is also a robust belief in free expression, free speech, and open debate. Only if we forget who we are and how we got here could we ever allow political censorship and blacklisting to take place in America. It's not even thinkable. Shutting down free and open debate violates our core values and most enduring traditions. In America, we don't insist on absolute conformity or enforce rigid orthodoxies and punitive speech codes. We just don't do that. America is not a timid nation of tame souls who need to be sheltered and protected from those with whom we disagree. That's not who we are. It will never be who we are. For nearly That's right. It's not who we are. It's not who we are. We don't need we don't we're not we're not timid. We're not timid. Speech isn't going speech that's contrary to my beliefs isn't going to hurt me. It's not going to harm me. It's not going to destroy me. As we said yesterday, remember the leftist tactics here. The, the best way, the best way to build an immunity against speech is more speech. The best way to build immunity against, against the virus is more, is, is more a solution here. The best way, the best way to build an immunity against against a virus is is being exposed to virus. It's always been that way. It's always been that. <clears throat> it's always been that way. Speech is the same thing, but they want us to enter into some sort of into some sort of safe space, some sort of quarantine. We're going to use this analogy. I think it's uh, unfortunately, it's very true. So this is, uh, you know, we 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 appreciate what we have. We appreciate what we have. Uh, we're going to mention here seventeen executive orders. We're not going to go through all of them because there are other things still we want to get to today. But we're going to go through a couple of them. These are this Biden to sign seventeen executive action orders, actions, orders to reverse Trump policies. And restore Obama era programs first day. So he signed these yesterday. He signed these yesterday. Unbelievable. President Joe Biden. We're going to have to, uh, fraudulent Joe Biden. We'll see. We'll sign 17 executive orders and, um, actions and orders in the first hours of his presidency on Monday. He wants to roll up his sleeves and get to work as early as possible. Early as possible. Okay, so let's see which one. End of the wall. Biden will declare an immediate termination of funding the border wall construction, putting an end to a key Trump campaign and administration promise to build a wall along the U.S.-Mexico border. The move will direct an immediate pause in wall construction and will determine the best way to redirect funds that were diverted by the prior administration to fund wall construction. Biden will also sign an executive order revoking Trump's previous order that directed aggressive immigration enforcement. The Biden team said... That the move will allow for the Department of Homeland Security. That was, I think, the DHS. He, he was hit that as secretary, maybe. And other agencies to set civil immigration enforcement policies that best protect the American people and that are in line with our values and priorities. The Biden administration is going to have a very different approach to regional immigration. Including White House National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan said. And that there will be a special emphasis to address the root causes of immigration in the region. What does that even mean? What does it even mean? To address the root causes of immigration in the region? Well, you have a welfare state and you have open borders. It doesn't require a, a, a PhD to, to understand why there's a, an immigration problem. Ugh. Biden is also set to preserve and fortify the Obama era deferred action of childhood arrivals. DACA. 
Dhaka. Let's not let's not think that these are children here. These are adults. And they're in their forties, which allows people who came to the United States as children to request deferred immigration enforcement and work for a renewal period of two years. The Trump administration had sought to end the program since 2017, mounting a number of federal legal battles. Could you imagine? Could you imagine federal legal battles to end DACA? It's un, it's, they want amnesty. They want amnesty for 11 million. Why? Because they know that if they can get amnesty, if they can get a path to citizenship for these 11 million, studies show that 80% of, of, of fresh Latin American uh, immigrants vote Democrat. That's why. This is all just an. Uh, 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 um, it's all just a, a way of getting votes. They know they can't get votes from Americans. They know what they have to do in order to make this election possible. Next, Biden is set to end an executive order that will put an end to Trump's Muslim ban, which Sullivan s- said was rooted in religious animus and xenophobia. <laughs> Trump in 2017 signed an executive order suspending entry into the U.S. Again, this is a myth into the U.S. for individuals from mostly Muslim countries, Sudan, Syria, Libya, Somalia, Yemen, and Iran. The travel ban was updated later that year to include North Korea and Venezuela. Another two Muslim countries? The Trump administration expanded the ban again in January 2020 to include an additional six countries. The Biden administration's reversal will repeal Trump's order and instruct the Senate, the State Department, to restart visa processing for affected countries in an effort to restore fairness and remedy to the harms and remedy the harms caused by the bans. Sullivan said, also said that Biden's action would strengthen screening and vetting for travelers by enhancing information sharing with foreign governments while also directing a re- further review of other Trump administration extreme vetting practices. As for the census, Biden will sign an executive order Wednesday to revoke the Trump administration's plan to exclude non-citizens from the census. Could you imagine? This is infuriating. Non-citizens. The president fought a legal battle which he lost in the, in the, in the Supreme Court. Roberts, this is still when, when uh, Ginsburg was officially voting. Roberts sided with the leftist judges and the, uh, the, the justices and ruled against the president's team. The president wanted a census of only American. Could you imagine? You can ask how many toilets you have in your house, but you can't ask if you were born in America, if you're, if you're an American citizen. You can't ask that. They, 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 Robert cited a technicality in the way that the lawsuit was being, is uh, was being waged, was being was being brought forth. There was a technicality in it, but it was nonetheless, it was it was denied. So now Biden is going to sign an executive order, exclude non-citizens from the census and appointment of congressional representatives. Biden's move will also ensure the Census Bureau has time to complete an accurate population count for each state which you will then present to Congress. What's the reason why you want only citizens? Because the way that the, the way that the representatives of each state are divided, it's based on population. So if you have a hundred thousand people, let's say for each state rep, I'm just making, throwing out a number there. Well, then in, in Montana, that hundred thousand people is going to, is going to uh, be a further landmass than in California, obviously, <clears throat> because California is, is more of a dense popu- densely populated area. But if of those 100,000 people that they are counting are going to, to if 20% of them, 20,000 of them are illegals, well, then those, 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 those residents, those, those residents are not ca- considered part of the census and you have to expand it. So in essence, you could end up having fewer seats in areas like California, which are Democrat areas, they calculated they could, the Democrats could lose five seats, maybe even more, based on only counting citizens in the, in the census. And that's controversial. That's controversial. Why, if somebody's illegal, should they be considered part of the census? Because they want more seats. Their majority right now is so, is so, is so, is so flimsy that if they didn't have those seats, they wouldn't even be in power. It's amazing what the left has to do in order to maintain power because they just can't play by any 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 consistent rules. Biden wants to take action to re-engage the World Health Organization after Trump's 2020 withdrawal. We're going to we're going to we're going to we're going to revisit some of these at a later point. 
because there's just too many other things to talk about today. But this is um, this is very serious, very serious, very serious. These things. Let's see. Let's see what we have time for <clears throat> here. Okay. Conservatives. Okay, let this. So. I'll put that aside as well. Okay. Um, forgive me here. I'm looking at the time. It's hard to calculate exactly how much time you need. President. Hmm. Okay. Yehuda Meshi Zahav. Let's just uh, finish off with this local story. We'll finish off with this local story here. This is coming out of Vas's uh, Nayas, but it was on, on all the different sites. Yudi Meshi Zahav, the director and founder of Zaka, lost his mother's Sarah Zisel to coronavirus this week, less than a month after his brother died from a serious illness. The pain of losing his mother is worse, however, for Meshi Zahav, who says that for 10 months, anyone who saw this clip, for 10 months his parents were protected like an esrog by their children. My mother was perfectly healthy, active, constantly giving. She'd never had a problem with her lungs before. Meshizav said in a wanted interview, My brother went away before Hanukkah and family members made a Hanukkah party for my, with my parents. Everyone at the party got sick and she gradually became more sick until she passed away. With coronavirus rates skyrocketing in Israel, the Haredi public is suffering the most from the third wave with an estimated one in three of those infected belonging to the Haredi sector. Meshizav does not mince words about Haredim who ignore COVID-19 regulations. What's happening in our sector is unbelievable. When someone is sick, we always run to the best doctors, to Rabbi Fuhrer, to get the best treatment. What's happened here? There seems to be a total myopia from our leaders. They are worse than Holocaust deniers since they deny something which happened in the past. But here they are denying something happening in front of us. Just to see the families of those sick people sitting in the hospital corridors, so much pain, crying and weeping. I was in a hospital this week and the tissues had run out. I had to go and bring them tissues. What happened to our leaders? How can they say our hands didn't shed this blood? They are, they are people, there are people wandering around who have shed blood. There's hardly a public or, or neighborhood without deaths. You walk around Haredi neighborhoods and see billboards and the names change like movie pictures. Every few hours the signs are replaced with new names of those who have died. 44 people died yesterday. 44 families which will never be the same again and yet we are lax. Don't they see? Every person is a potential time bomb. On funeral announcements, instead of writing, may their memory be blessed, we should write, may God avenge their blood. Just to hear the cries from the coronavirus department, water, bathroom, nurse, tears, one, tears one's heart open. There's nobody who can tend, who can tend to them. And I sat on the floor, the fifth floor, and watched ambulance after ambulance taking away body after body. Right, Benny Fisher, director of Magen Lachola, medical referral organization, also strongly condemned violators of the health, organi- health regulations as wild people. Two-footed animals. In one interview, he called on everyone to go vaccinate and to run away from shuls, closed places, not to send children to schools or Talmud Torahs. The entire educational system must be under lock and key. Fisher, however, stressed that there are violators both among Haredim and among secularists. There must be egalitarian enforcement. The pictures from the breaches on Shabbos are heart-rending. And so are those from large wedding in B'nai Brak. So, you know, he's he's uh, not mincing words. He's not mincing words. He had called them, the headline was obviously, he called them worse than Holocaust deniers. I'm not exactly sure why they're worse than Holocaust deniers. I'm not, I don't really understand. Um, you know, I mean, Holocaust deniers at the time of the Holocaust or Holocaust deniers today. I'm not really following the um, comparison. <clears throat> And I wouldn't dare as, as being so cynical as suggesting that he is just trying to promote his organization, Zaka, like I would dare suggest that Eli Bear was promoting Ichod. I would never dare suggest that. So don't think I'm saying that. But, um, I will, I will, I will say, I will say that while it's sad, while it's sad whenever somebody gets sick 
for any reason. And we don't have time right now to, to delve into this to, the, to as best as it, to what it really requires. We don't have time for that. We don't have time for that. But regardless, regardless, um, the rhetoric, the rhetoric is, uh, is not, 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 is, I don't think it's, I don't think it's, um, I don't think it's effective. I think it's effective. I don't think that the people who are going about life um, are people who are cruel. I don't think that they feel as though that they are willing to kill people actively. And I don't think as though we ha- they haven't had enough time to develop an actual policy and position about this virus over the last almost year. So the idea that Every single person who's trying to maintain a certain normalcy in life is a murderer. Is again sensational, and if I was being cynical, I would say he was just trying to promote his organization. But I'm not saying that. We forget, we forget that God controls the world. We forget this. They protected her like an esrig. So what happened? One time they let people in and then all of a sudden she got... So what, what, what was going to happen? Why didn't she get the vaccine already? I don't know. Maybe the vaccine wasn't wasn't out yet. Maybe this happened Hanukkah time. I don't know. I don't know. But what, it was nothing... nothing, nothing not, it was, if there was nothing to do, then what are we mourning? There's a Nitziv this week. I think last week actually. I'm not going to discuss the whole Nitziv. But the Nitziv... Describes how how Pyro wanted to to like a bird in his hands, like a you know a little chicklet, a chicklet in his hands. He could have he could have destroyed Claudiusrol. That was really what he wanted to do. Once things started to go haywire, he wanted to just annihilate them entirely. But Hashem didn't allow him. Hashem with the with the Makis, Hashem kept him very busy. Hashem systematically destroyed Pyro's. Um, uh, you know his 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 inner team, his inner circle. So you know, every, whatever he wanted to do, he was he was he was his plans were were destroyed. We forget we forget that there is that there is a creator. We forget that there is somebody who's controlling the world. We forget that there's somebody. We do believe in divine providence. We have to daven. We have to do our basic hishtadlus, our base our basic requirements. But the idea that these people who went out who went out and went to Shul, are murderers. Forgive me. But like I said, it's uh, it's uh, sensational at best. That's been our show today, right here on the on the um, Morning Blend. I'm your host, Ali Shapiro. Have a great Shabbos, a great weekend. We look forward to Spending time Sunday morning, please God. Bye for now.